Hey everybody, just a quick warning. The interview you're about to hear discusses the topic of postpartum depression, and you may find it disturbing. We talk about intrusive thoughts, violent imagery, and suicide. There is, however, a lot of valuable content to learn from, so hopefully you stay tuned. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to 20 Tim Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 20 Tim Minutes. Today, I'm joined by mental health advocate for postpartum depression, Rochelle Rosan. Hello, Rochelle. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I always appreciate it. So Rochelle is a former hairstylist turned badass entrepreneur, a yoga practitioner, mother of one, and just an overall great human being, which we will get to. So Rochelle, I reached out to you to speak on postpartum depression um, because one, some listeners asked to hear about it on the topic. And two, I don't know much about it, much about it myself. Um, so I like to learn about different uh, aspects of mental health. But if you could, can you explain in your own words what postpartum depression is and the good work you're doing to help people in need? Yeah, so postpartum depression can really come on anytime during the first year after having your baby. It is not the same as the baby blues, which is like the first two or three weeks after you have a baby and your hormones are all shifting, adjusting, and you feel like all over the place, very kind of like cryy, stuff like that. That is not what postpartum is. Postpartum depression is much more serious. Um, It affects mentally, physically, every aspect of your life. It can make it so that you can't leave your home. Like it's really debilitating. And that is like the main issue that I try to like help people understand is how serious it is because there's a lot of people that just like brush it under the rug like oh you'll feel better soon or like go outside it's not like that like it is a process (laughs) and I feel like a lot of mothers because of like the shame around it don't get help which leads to just being a depressed anxious mom and so it's really important to get help in the beginning does that answer the question? Yeah, of course. <laughs> hey, if I can understand it, I feel like other people will understand it. So what do you do exactly for those people in need? I, I looked at your uh, profile on like Twitter, and uh, I mean, Instagram, and you have like the whole link tree with everything. You do like one-on-one consultations with people. Um, what else do you do to help uh, mothers in need? So there's a ton of resources. I have a Facebook group, which is open to all mothers that are struggling. Uh, we post content in there every day. That's kind of like a safe space for people to talk about what they're going through without having to like do a one-on-one call if they're uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. So we do that. Um, I do content on Instagram every day that's related to postpartum in some way, shape or form. I do the complimentary support calls, which are just to see if there's anything else anywhere that I could redirect to any resources that I can help with. And then there is the program that I created, which is Postpartum and Beyond, Uh, that is launching in May. And so that is like a deep dive for 
either women that are struggling in what I call crisis mode, which is basically like when you're really down and you need all the support you can get because you can't function. So you can be anywhere from that to a mom with like a 10 year old who has struggled with anxiety and depression and isn't happy with where their life is. I go through a bunch of tools that help you understand your depression and your anxiety. So there's education, there's a bunch of practical tools that you can use. And then there's a bunch of like assessment tools. So you can kind of see what's going on in your life and where you can make changes. And the beautiful thing about this program is that it is a lifetime membership. So you pay one fee and then you get a lifetime of support. The program will be there as long as I am breathing and able to facilitate it. <laughs> so it's a really cool opportunity for moms that like want to get help, but don't want to go see a therapist or something like just somebody else who has done all of that work already and is passing on the best of all of the therapy, all of the education and all of that, that helped me get where I am. That's fantastic. And to do one-on-one consultations, like no one asked you to do that. So it just shows a lot about your character, taking the time to help out anyone that's looking for it. So that is, yeah. uh, that is very awesome of you. Um, can cool. you talk about, uh, about your transition? Cause you said you turned hairstylist turned entrepreneur. So what was your backstory like, and what was the tide turning moment that you were like, I need to do this. I need to start helping people. Well, I've always been like that. Um, I've always had like these big plans to help as many people as I can. That's just my personality. Uh, but it was the, the whole like unsatisfying soul part of doing hair, which was just not like, I can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people when it's about stuff that's important and I love it. But when you're just like, you know, talking about somebody's dog or like whatever, it's just not fulfilling to me. Right. Um, so actually I stopped doing hair when I was pregnant the first time. And uh, unfortunately I had a miscarriage, but I was like quite far along in my pregnancy. So at that time it was like, I took a break from doing hair. I didn't want that one-on-one -on -one connection with people. I just went to work at a bank and like kind of switched it up and stuff. And then I was fortunate enough to be able to stay home when I had my daughter because her dad has always had a really good career. And it wasn't until we separated that this whole thing happened for me. It was like, we separated in the summertime and then I went back to work at a salon until March and then COVID hit. So it was like, mm. what am I doing now? I'm a single mom. There's a worldwide pandemic. Like what is going on? Oh man, that is, that gives me anxiety <laughs> for you in that situation. Yeah. But you know, through all of that and like finding the opportunity to work with this mentor that I had wanted to work with for a long time, she's, you know, done a lot for me in terms of teaching me how to package my expertise into something that can actually help people and so that girl for me Sunny Leonard Easy she was huge in like helping me understand that I can have a business and help people and be genuine like all at the same time so that was kind of the turning point for me when I got into contact with her and enrolled in her program that's fantastic yeah even speaking with you you, you are a personable person you're very personable. That's, that's the word. Like you, it's not fake. And you, you generally have conversations and looking at your content, you do post like every day 
and put out a lot of content. So with so you had experience with postpartum and was it during what part of of your your having children uh having a child having a child sorry and with the miscarriage wait for me I, I don't know much again I am I'm a I'm a married man not planning on having kids but I'm trying to learn about different things so we can help other people that may be a, a future parent or somebody that's a friend of somebody with postpartum that's that's our goal today is to help those types of people so what was your experience like with the postpartum and all of that with my experience, uh, pretty much as soon as I like got to the hospital to give birth, I could tell that something was not right. Um, I had had anxiety and depression before pregnancy, but I didn't really understand that. I wasn't aware that I was struggling with that. So pretty much as soon as I got into the hospital, I started having panic attacks and like, you know, I didn't want to have drugs and stuff with the birth. I was like very granola at the time. And, um, so I got there, I started stressing out. I was like, give me the drugs, give me the epidural. So then that helped calm me down a little bit. But once that kind of wore off and I was laying in the bed, um, it was like before Christmas and there was like Christmas songs on the radio. And I was just like, very, very emotional. I was like, what have I done? Because for me, I was the kind of person that like, I always wanted to be a mom. It was all I really ever wanted was to have kids and be a wife and stuff. Um, but I was so young at the time when I got married and like, I hadn't figured out who I was. I didn't really know anything about myself at the time. And so when I was holding my daughter in my arms, it was like, all of a sudden I felt this, like my world crashed down around me. It was like all opportunity ceased to exist and I felt like I was imprisoned kind of to be honest with you um so basically from there I went home uh everybody was like you know just like let yourself get used to this it's gonna be okay and I was like I don't think I'm okay but I'll give it a chance because that's what people tell you mm -hmm. and then I started having these really scary thoughts in my head and that's what forced me to go get help so it was around day 10. I was, I don't know, like what the content I've listened to some of your podcasts, but I don't want to get into like horrible detail. That's going to like scare people. Uh, no, I'm pretty, like uh, I'm pretty open about like my life. So whatever you want to share, that's totally up to you. Um, and I'm, I'm okay. thankful for whatever you want to share. Yeah. So I was just having like these really weird images of like a knife slicing a wrist it wasn't like I didn't know if it was mine or what it was um but it was really disturbing and so I was like do I just do I want to kill myself like what is happening here um my brain was very confused like I did not I couldn't really make coherent thoughts at the time and so I spoke with my husband at the time I was like I need to go to the doctor right now and so we packed up we went to the doctor He's like, well, it looks like you're experiencing postpartum depression. So let's get you on medication. Let's find you a counselor. Let's get you into a support group. Thank goodness, because not all <laughs> doctors are like that. And I've heard horror stories of women that are just like their doctor told them to shrug it off, which is insane to me how a medical professional could do that. Right. <laughs> um, so at that point, I got involved with all of those things. And the healing process was like a slow burn. It was like, 
my husband at the time took a medical leave because I was afraid to be alone because I just didn't know what was going to happen. And it was like a solid three months, I would say, before I started feeling like I wasn't in the pit of hell. Like every day I would just wake up. I was, you know, I didn't want to die, but I didn't want to live because life sucked at that moment. Like there's, there's no words to describe how dark and awful, if you've experienced depression, I don't know if you have or not, but like, imagine that and not being able to sleep and having a newborn. Right. Like, come on. (laughs) It's a little much. I, I deal with depression too. I know exactly what you mean. Like I'd be driving to work and I would just be at a low point. I'd be like, I don't care if my car just drives off the road right now, but I wouldn't do it. So I know that right. middle ground. It's like that really yeah. gray area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so were you, were you privy to postpartum before you were pregnant? Like you had knew nothing about it. You just baby blues. No idea. No idea. And it, that's what was so frustrating too. Is Cause like, my sisters all have kids. Like I've been an aunt since I was like a kid myself and like always been around babies, no shortage of knowledge on all of that stuff. So it was shocking to me because I had no idea what postpartum depression even was or that it was possible. Yeah. I always heard the word and I kind of like got the gist of it, but again, like that's, this is why I'm doing this to learn more. Um, I just, I, I wouldn't say I thought it was the baby blues, but I knew it had to do something with the connection to the baby or, or mm-hmm. like feeling detachment or stuff. I did talk to a lot of friends and people that uh, I asked to reach out that was open to talk about postpartum. And I did learn a lot from them too. So it was, uh, it's very, it's very cool to have people open up to me because I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. I was, I'm definitely afraid of this, not definitely afraid of this conversation because again, I'm just a, I'm just a regular dude that like has nothing to do with postpartum. Um, so I, I don't want to say that a dumb thing, but my, 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 my intent is genuine. I, I, uh, I like learning about stuff and, and my wife and yeah. our friends were like, very like, that's cool that you're doing that. Um, so yeah, you, you answered like 20 of my questions I had lined up. Like, what are you doing? um prepared I know this topic and I know that just goes to show if you're listening to this right now she is beyond legit so (laughs) please link up with her um did you have anything specific you would do or say to help you feel quote-unquote normal like did did you have any coping mechanisms during that you're like okay try to keep yourself grounded yeah so I have this process that I refer to as get safe and it is very individual for anybody. For me, it's getting, like, I have to feel comforted. So, like, for me, it would be making sure that I was wearing stuff that wasn't restricting and, like, playing Seinfeld in the background while I was doing anything during the day. Like, just stuff that would bring comfort to me. Having people around, I had to have somebody with me 24-7 for the first little while. Um, pretty much that. And then, you know, it gets better as you go and you don't have to like put as much effort into it as you get better. But in the beginning, like I said, it's kind of like crisis mode and there's like, it's just survival in that time. Like it's really, you are just getting one day to the next. You're not worried about anything else. But once you get out of crisis mode, comfort is really, really helpful. Comfort and support always, always a a great duo to have now with postpartum with different uh, women. um, What are some similarities between the thought process and feeling process? And do you notice any differences that some people um, experience opposed to the others? 
Yeah, there's a lot of difference, actually. Like some people, some women um, become like very, they, they don't bond with their babies. That was something that I was really grateful that I didn't have to deal with. Um, but yeah, some women just like have a really hard time with that. Uh, a lot of women struggle with like having nightmares of awful things happening to their babies. Generally speaking, there's like just this underlying fear that something awful is going to happen to your baby. That's like the driving point behind a lot of like the panic attacks and the like spinning out in your mind and catastrophizing because you're having these thoughts, you don't know what's going on. So it's really important to just like educate yourself, just get knowledge on what it, what is happening because then you can start to like tell yourself that you're not crazy and that like you're not going to do any of these awful things. You have to just like be very aware, Try, trying to be aware of what's happening, I guess is really important. I don't know that there's like a lot of commonalities because everyone's so different other than the fear thing. Um, a judgment I know is something that a lot of postpartum mommies deal with what's that what you... like everyone is judging them and it doesn't matter what they do they're never going to do the right thing like stuff like that that's feeling an, ad- an inadequate mother per se like they just yeah. feel like they're not up to par yeah oh that's a shame um mm-hmm. if you had to explain to somebody I think this is mostly for me I love analogies how would you explain postpartum in like an analogy form you're like um in any way you would think? Postpartum depression is like being in a pool. Like say you're in a pool that is filled with wet clay and you are trying to walk from the West Coast to the East Coast and you can see it. (laughs) You know it's there. Like you will get through this somehow, but you have no idea how. That's what it feels like. Trudging through wet clay every day with a baby. So absolutely terrifying. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like suffocating. Like it feels very, you know, when you're depressed, it's like colors lose their vibrancy. Like everything is muted. So if you're lucky enough to be in kind of a numb stage, but oftentimes you're even farther below that, right? Where you're like scrambling just to survive. So like it's not not a pretty time. No. It, it does not sound like it. I know uh, one of my friends I was talking to, I think one of the problems she was having, and I know you said attachment with your uh, child is uh, breastfeeding. Like they wouldn't mm. latch on and they were just not mm. doing good with that. So I know that was like a big one. Um, there were some terms I learned though. Uh, they would talk to me about a midwife. And then at one point I go, what is a midwife? Because I didn't, I didn't know. It was like one of those things. Like, I feel like they're talking to a friend and with me coming out of the blue, asking about postpartum, they're like, yeah, midwife. I was like, what? I don't know if I should ask what that is, um, but let me try to, it's pretty much a nurse that helps that it specializes in postpartum, right? Pretty much. Yeah. It's like they, oh, whereas your doctor kind of like you do a check-in with them and then you're done with like a midwife, they'll kind of come and check on you a couple of times after you have your baby. They do more of the postpartum care, whereas like GPs or whatever, they just like kind of send you in and out and then you're done once you have your baby. So does a midwife like literally come to your house or they just call you up, yeah. check in with you? No, nope. uh, they will. Well, here they come to your house. Okay. Where's <laughs> I don't know here? what it's like there, Canada. Oh, what part of Canada? I didn't even ask where you were from. Uh, yeah, uh, Vancouver Island. Oh, nice. Yeah. And where are you right now? I'm in Boston. Boston, okay. Yep. Yeah, I thought 
the east. Yeah, our uh, accent differential is. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be very confused from each side of this of this uh, interview. Like, who, who are these people? Um, so another thing that I was asking because I had a uh, I asked a bunch of people and I had a husband reach out to me and I asked different people about this and they they were kind of split. Can men suffer from postpartum? And what is your take apparently, on that? Apparently, yes. Okay. I don't personally agree that that's a thing. Um, I think men can certainly suffer from depression after this whole thing because, like, my partner at the time, he was very low. It was like, you know, you're expecting to have this child and your wife is going to be like so pumped and like life will be beautiful and the three of you will go for picnics <laughs> and, you know, but then you fall apart. So now the partner is left supporting everyone and trying to provide a lot of the time. So it's like a huge stress on the partner. So my husband at the time got very, very down as well. Um, I, I don't think it was postpartum depression though. For me, postpartum depression is for women. Like men, because there's that hormonal difference, like they don't experience that, which to me is a huge part of why it happens in the first place is that hormone imbalance. But certainly they can be very affected after and it's very hard for them. Right. I, I, I feel like I, I would agree to that statement because I think the definition of postpartum definitely reflects for women. And I, I would say that because it doesn't compare by the way you're explaining it from the men and the woman's side. Like obviously they can be stressed and try to try to help and it could be frustrating for sure. But I think that, yeah, I would say that depression would probably be possibly the case um, in that yeah. scenario for the man's side. Is there a pre-partum? Yeah. Pre you can uh, you can have like depression while you are pregnant. Okay. Um, but it, it's not really like classified as anything. It's okay. Just, like, yeah, you'll you'll definitely get some. Movie, you'll definitely get some dumb questions. Yeah, that's it. Was one of those oh, things. Like, no such free? thing as a dumb question. Just dumb people. Okay, get it. No. <laughs> um, but before we move on from partners, though, yeah. I just want to say um, that a lot of the time, especially with women, when their babies get a little bit older and they're like kind of six, seven, eight months, and they're like sitting up and stuff, and they feel like things are kind of getting back to normal, don't forget for the women, how hard it is for your partner, because it's not easy for them either. And a lot of women, I feel like get resentful towards their partner that they're like, not doing enough or whatever, but they're doing what they can do. And a lot of the time, the moms won't like specifically say I need help with this. Mm -hmm. So like, communicate with your partner, everybody is struggling, this isn't easy for anyone really important to remember that and for the men too like or women whoever your partner is mm -hmm. um just like being there and listening like you don't need to fix the problem you just need to be there to lean on that's a good piece of advice for partners I think with um I think a tough thing with anything with depression and mental um mental disorders is how do you get somebody out of that area where they're so deep down when you give them that suggestion being like be more open they're like fuck it. I don't want to be like, they're just in their own ways. Like, is there a way that you help them get out of that? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I don't think that you can force anybody out of that. You no. can't anybody that's in that phase, you can't force them to do anything. 
but just like gentle reminders, like, remember, like, I'm struggling too, you're struggling, it's okay, we'll get through it together. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that is a, that is a tough thing to get out, out of. And then I was going to ask about the suicidal thing, but you, you said you weren't, but you had thoughts of it. Um, does, do a lot of women have suicidal thoughts? Well, they're not necessarily always suicidal thoughts. They're called intrusive thoughts. So okay. it can be hard to tell the difference between them because intrusive thoughts are, you know, like you had said earlier, sometimes I'm like driving down the thing and I just like imagine your car going off the road or whatever. Like. Right. But when you're a mom and you're having thoughts that are like a violent, horrifying things happening to your baby or yourself, that's when sometimes women get confused with thinking they're suicidal or not, but really what it is usually is that they're just having these intrusive thoughts. And, um, but yeah, suicide definitely, um, I was suicidal at one time mm -hmm. after I had my daughter, uh, when I went through like my next depression, depressive episode, um, but it did not last long. It was kind of like a moment where I was sitting in bed and I was looking outside and I was like, is this my life now? Like. My daughter was two, so I had spent pretty much the first like eight or nine months of her life being like survival mode, therapy all the time, like panic attack, like, is, is this my life? And then it got a little bit better. And then when she was about two and a half, a um, bunch of stuff happened, went through another depression. And I just woke up one day and I was like, am I going to do this? Like, it was a very conscious, like, am I going to not carry on with this anymore? Or am I going to? And it was like, you've made it this far, keep going. So it was like a very interesting moment where I, I had like that choice to make and I chose to go forward. Uh, it's very admirable too, because a lot of us have those thoughts in our head about anything and, and to share that and to be open about that just shows your, your character yeah. and your willingness to help people. Well, and just that it's normal, right? Like life right. isn't easy and life is especially not easy now because like, all the technology, we can see disasters happening all over the place and stuff. And it's just like, there's a steady stream of shit coming into our lives, right? So you have to be like really aware of like your boundaries and stuff like that. And I find that that comes into play a lot after you have kids too. It's like you, all of a sudden you become aware that like there's all these horrible things happening in the world and um, got to protect your mind. I always felt bad uh, during the pandemic for friends that were having kids and then the husband like wasn't allowed in the room. I, I was oh. like, if that was me, I'd be like scratching and crawling to get in there. Like that is like the most unfair thing I've heard of in the past like recent year. Yeah, it's brutal. I'm very grateful that I did not have to have a baby during this time. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's people hanging tough. That's a uh, yeah. salute to them. Now, what was uh, probably the most frustrating or annoying thing people would do or say that um, like friends or family or strangers that you would just like, all right, I get it. You know, for me, it was when I decided to go on medication uh, because that was something that I really didn't want to do, but mm -hmm. everyone in my life was like, you have to do this. You're falling apart. Um, and there was a conversation I had with my dad. So I've had, like, we have mental health history in our family. Everyone does, but like, yeah. you know, people that we've, you know, lost to it and stuff like that. And 
my dad was like very concerned about me going on antidepressants. He's like, well, you know, I think you can just get through it. I was like, dad, your brother killed himself. So I'm pretty sure that like, you should recognize that me getting help is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So that was really challenging for me. But to be honest, most of the stuff in my life was like, people were pretty good because I put up very firm boundaries. I was like, I don't want people coming over. If you're coming over, you're bringing me food and like cleaning my house, doing something for me. Um, so most of the people around were like very helpful and, you know, I didn't have a lot of issues. That's good. What about, uh, like other mothers out there? Like what are, what is their preferred method? If you, if you know, or if, uh, they, they explain it. Everyone is so different. It really yeah. depends. Like it, yeah, it's a personal thing. Right. I, yeah. A lot, I feel like the majority of the ones I talked to, they would just like show up just show up and just like do whatever, like play a board game, like bring food, like you said, or just like hang out and chat, like kind of like not even bring the topic up. Right. Like try yeah. to keep their mind off it, which is always a good, a good ploy to do with, with any kind of topic that people are going through. Um, yeah. Just kind of like make light a little bit. I mean, you have to like approach it and like deal with it, but you can't like dwell on it because then it becomes a problem. hundred percent. That's what I do with pretty much all the topics on mental health. You got to keep it light because like life is crazy. It's, it's scary and you got to laugh at some point. So you got to find that in between yeah. to smile at some point and try to make someone smile during difficult times. Like we're all here to help yeah, one I, another. I appreciate that. That is the way that you kind of like approach your podcast is mental health, like with a bit of a attitude towards it, because yeah, like you have to be, yeah, you got to get through it. If you just focus on like all the negative, then you drown truly. It's when you keep it all inside and don't share it is when it's worse. And then you get so scared, then like you get vulnerable about sharing it. And then you like kind of sit there, you're like, what are people thinking? And then you get so much support back. People are like, I feel the same way too. And you're like, thank Christ. It's not just me. I know. And like, there's so many people out there that just feel like they're crazy. And it's like not fair to feel like that because everyone's crazy. <laughs> it's true. We're all very unique individual people. Truly. And I always think about this because on a recent episode, I talked about like, I thought about the idea of like historical figures having mental health problems, like Abe Lincoln having anxiety before he went out for his Gettysburg address, like Michelangelo, like having OCD, like just stuff like that. Yeah. Then I think about like someone like maybe like a Abigail Adams or like some historical feature having postpartum and they're like, you're just being crazy. You're a witch. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, they just had to deal with it. And like, thank Christ for like medication now and like the knowledgeable people. And it's like, I always try to think about like what people suffered through then. And I'm like, I'm like, what do we complain about? Obviously like not complaining about postpartum, but like say like I'm cold in my house. And then like back then people were, like right. sitting, sitting over a fire. I'm like, what am I complaining about? Like I, I have it so yeah. good compared to like what people go through. And I, I don't like to compare myself to other people and you probably don't either, but you you're in a, you're doing it the opposite. Like you're comparing yourself to other people to help them. You're not like complaining. Like, like I would do sometimes. No. <laughs> Comparison to other people is just the killer of the soul. It really is. And I heard a great thing from somebody that told me this recently. It's like my worst could be your best. Yeah. And that really like resonated with me. And I was like, that's so true because I, I, I it's like when like, you know how it is. Like people will be like, oh yeah, my, my brother has the same thing. You're like, well, I'm not your brother. And, uh, I have it totally different. Like we might have the same diagnosis, but like you said, like yeah. my journey is totally different from yours. Something mm -hmm. I could like can trigger me all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. what was the other thing? So you would just recommend like friends and family to just come over and 
just kind of just chill out, check up on you, kind of like no questions asked almost. Yeah, like pick, I always recommend people to pick three people that if you called them at 2 a.m. and you needed them to come over, they would come over. Pick those three people and cling to them. <laughs> and like, let them know, you know, like be like, hey, I'm going through a really hard time right now. If I call you in the middle of the night, I need you to answer the phone. It's okay to tell people that because they won't help if they don't know how intensely you're struggling, right? So just open up and let it out. Do you know the TV show, What Would You Do with John Quixotes, where they like put people in scenarios and uh, it's on no. like ABC or something. So what they do is they they do like real life scenarios with actors and see how like the public would react to it. So it would be like mm -hmm. um, like there'd be like a Down syndrome, like bagger and someone would like demean them and people would be like, what are you fucking doing? Like go crazy. But there was one that kind of got me started on this topic. It was postpartum where they had a woman uh, kind of have a breakdown in a restaurant. And they show they showed how people would react. And I'd say like nine out of the 10 of them, like jumped into action and like sat with her. Right. And like some woman was like, I I've been through it. She's been through it. And there was like a couple of guys that stood up and like, they didn't understand it, but they were like consoling her and stuff. And I thought that was so cool. And I was like, I wonder if like other people know how to deal with that. Cause I wouldn't know what to do. If I saw someone crying, I'd be like, are you okay? But I wouldn't know. Like, I'm always conscious of saying the wrong thing, as you can as you can tell by the way I'm talking with you. I'm always like trying because I talk before I think, and I'm like, all right, be sure you think before you say something dumb. Um, but yeah, I, I'm surprised you haven't heard of that show. It's a it gives me high anxiety watching. It. Mm. Well, <laughs> then it, it's a good thing that I don't watch it. Uh, you should YouTube it and high if you, anxiety. If you want a quick panic attack, that's like real quick. Just yeah. watch that, and it will it will be it will be an adventure for you. Um, what's the biggest misconception of postpartum? That it's something that will just go away. It's not, it's classified as a disease. There is treatment available for mm -hmm. it. And it's something that every single woman who thinks they may be struggling with it needs to go talk to their healthcare provider about. And I know you touched on a little bit, like this can last from like a day to like what, like years? Years. Yeah. If you don't get it treated, I see moms walking around all the time. I'm like, I bet you were undiagnosed and because you know why it's because what ends up happening is they become resentful of their children. And so it's very easy to spot, you know, a very overwhelmed mother who is just not getting the self-care and the education and the support that she needs. It's very easy to see that. And I think a lot of the time it stems from untreated postpartum. Do you ever see like a young mother walking around? You just want to go up and like hug them and be like, yeah. I, I can only imagine I approach women all the time <laughs> like if, if I see moms this is the typical mom that I see that I would approach like out in my area if I'm out for a walk you see this mom and she's just like got her one little baby and she's walking her dog and like in the bundle thing and you can just see that look in their eyes that they're just not enjoying life and I just go up and like are you okay and then sometimes people look at you like you're a crazy person and like protect their baby and like run and sometimes Give me that baby. People, yeah sometimes people will open up to you right then and there and tell you everything that's going on and then they're like god I'm so glad that you stopped to ask me that question and you can see the relief in their eyes when they leave so yeah I mean just are you okay it's not that hard to ask people I feel like though I feel like there is that you probably heard this before there is a stereotype with uh Canadians that you guys are super nice 
So I feel like, I feel like, it, you know, like if someone did that, and I'm just saying this because I'm from here is like, someone did that in Boston, like you went up to a random girl, she'd be like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, she would be so like defensive. Um, but obviously you would help somebody, but like so, people are so more brash here than I feel like Canadians yeah. are. Like, every time I hear about Canadians, every time I talk to one, they're like so nice. They're just like the best. And I, I can see that being the case be like, Hey, do you need help? Um, like, or, or you just have to jump up like, Hey, have you heard about postpartum depression? <laughs> just, just scare them. Um, that's a solid point though. Yes. Canadians are quite polite. Usually. That's a good stereotype to have though. Right. I feel like there's like it's other like bad stereotypes, right? Yeah. Like you guys are so fucking nice. It's like, Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, I've always, I've, I've been to uh, Canada a couple of times. I went to Toronto. Uh, that's the only place I want to go, but I, I would love to go to Vancouver. Um, that's yeah vancouver with it with vancouver island is so, not vancouver. so it's like right off to the left is it yeah okay yeah, see i know island in the bottom. i know my geography a little bit yes. um i know my yes. I, I think i know my uh it's what is it canada so it's a not a county what is it it's not like a state it's a, a what would province. you call province okay I'm getting there. Um, I judge my my uh, provinces in Canada uh, based on NHL hockey teams. Are, are you a hockey fan? Uh, I mean, I live in Canada, so I know it. But that's great. A non hockey fan from Canada. That's that's a rare sight. I love. I feel like you guys like had to grow up playing hockey. Well, my brother was a football player, so it was always more football in our family. Now, is Canada football like football? Football like, is so actually football. Like okay, you get the CFL. Yeah. <laughs> you, have a, you have a great form. You have a great form. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, you pretty much already uh, answered this, but what did you learn about the whole experience? Any regrets? And how did it feel to let it all out and come come out with it? Um, which, you, again, you've already went over it, but we'll definitely uh, end that with this. What I learned from the whole experience is that when you go through the most challenging thing that you can imagine going through there is always something better and brighter on the other side and for me that process was all about you know now that I can like look back at it and I've done so much reflecting and therapy and all of that um it was about me finding my courage that's what that opportunity brought me so I wouldn't change it it has brought me where I am today and it's just like really important to remember that there's always a choice, you know, like no matter how shitty you feel or how deep, dark in the nastiness you are, you do have the ability to choose to try to get better. So keep doing that. Do I have any regrets? I don't think so. That's always good. That's always a great answer when someone say they don't have any regrets. Um, yeah, I will say this. About, I will say this about you. You are a, a fantastic person to be doing this, and you should be proud of yourself. And I don't know you too well. I just met you, but I'm proud of you. And I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to educate me and hopefully somebody else, a future mother, uh, father, whatever, a friend. I think that is. Uh, you gave me a lot of information. Hopefully, I can translate to somebody else. I'd be like, hey, don't have a kid, but I talked to my good friend Rochelle, and she can do some one-on-one consultations. Yes, so, uh, yeah. I'll refer everybody. I appreciate being here. Thank you. It's been a great opportunity. Thank you so much. Um, so we'll end with this. I, I know I talked to you about um, some things we, we'll have some fun with. So we'll start off I because uh, music's a big part of my life. And I feel like everyone, like you ever meet someone that doesn't like listen to music? 
have you ever like they're just like yeah i don't know i'm like what no oh there's there's a couple people i met and i'm like (laughs) whoa so um what is it your music suggestion if uh, you're listening to a certain artist album or song that like got you through the, the tough times or just in general uh so for music what if i'm feeling like i need to like cry i will listen to hillsong united they are like a band that i grew up with because i grew up in church so they're worship music but it's very like makes you want to (laughs) cry so if you need to cry that um one of my other favorite bands is need to breathe they're from the states and they're kind of like rock like kind of like country rock almost okay. they've got like a good mix of like upbeat like get in the car go for a drive music and then some like quieter stuff as well um i mean i could go on and on and on Those yeah are, like <laughs> i'm the same <laughs> the way main ones for me right now <laughs> music like hits you such in the feel sometimes and then like i'll hear certain songs that bring me back to like high school or like certain such scenarios oh, that yeah. like, happen in my life my crying music is kesha there's like five songs I'd be driving to work and just like profusely cry. And I'm like, that Kesha's my girl. I was supposed to see her this year, but the pandemic hit. And I was like, uh, I was devastated. I was like, Lindsay, we're not seeing Kesha. Um, but yeah, she's my girl. Um, now, what is like a movie kind of in that same question of around like what's your go-to movie or something? You yeah, saw? so I mean, if I'm like sad and I want to put something on to cheer me up, I'll put on The Wedding Singer is usually a good one or Happy Gilmore. I was watching the wedding singer while I was in labor, just like walking around the house pacing. We could waste the next Obviously, hour. I see that you love it. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like we could waste the next hour of talking Adam Sandler movies uh, and quoting oh, everything. Yeah. So, all right, if you can do it real quick, what is your top five Adam Sandler movies? Because I have mine ready. Mm, well, the wedding singer is number one for sure. Okay. I really enjoyed um, 51st Date. Okay. Um, uh, Billy Madison. Like the old. Yeah, old yeah. Adam I'm Sandler. an old school Adam Sandler. Yeah, where he was kind of dumb. I really like Big Daddy. Yeah, um, classic. Oh, what's another one? There's like so many now. I Billy Madison. The, uh, Happy, Gilmore? Happy Gilmore. Yeah, Happy Gilmore. The Wedding Singer. Fifty First Dates. Big Daddy. Is that five? Yeah, that's five. Okay, Wedding Singer. That's all. Wedding yeah. Singer. Fifty Fifty. Happy Gilmore. Billy Madison. Uh, yeah. Big Daddy. Mine yeah. would be yeah. Billy Madison, um, Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer. Number four is a great movie that came up out of nowhere for me. Like I was taking a nap and I watched it. I go, this is the funniest movie in the world is That's My Boy with Andy Samberg. Oh, I it, haven't seen that one. Okay. It looked like it was going to be bad and it looked like it, it wouldn't get good reviews, but I like sat up and was like belly laughing. Like that cracked okay. my top top five and then five would be Big Daddy. So we're kind of in the same same ballpark yeah. so yeah you're legit uh billy uh Adam I, like, I get uh quotes from billy madison all the time like it's too damn hot for a penguin to be just yeah on. yeah and i'm i every time i go to a wedding i go hopefully we're table nine but hey it's at table nine <laughs> like i always want to be that it's like self-taught no lessons pop oh i just yeah i could do that for uh, we could do this for and we might have to do a next okay. uh, an extra an episode just doing all of that just with like obscene movie quotes yes 100 percent um and then I, there was there was a different movie that i was going to say before we got onto that topic oh, that okay i'm sorry uh it's called adventures of power have you seen this no okay so it's a movie about this kid who lives in like 
I don't know, some desert town, New Mexico or something like that. Sounds and right. he's like 30 years old, lives with his very eccentric aunt, who's played by Jane Lynch, who's like in a lot Love of her. And um, he has this dream. He's like a little bit simple and he has this dream of becoming um, an air drum champion. So the story follows his quest to get into the championship of air drumming. It's hilarious. It's, it's like a little bit off brand and like not everybody would like it. But if you like quirky, hilarious movies, then that one is worth checking out. I feel like I'm pretty much off brand. It's funny because we'll be in the car, me and my wife and I'll start air drumming. And she's like, you're so good at air drumming. I just don't know if she says that to me, but I should find that. There was always like the um, air guitar championships. Like I would look at like concerts coming up in my local place and there'd be one to be like, oh, air guitar championship. I'm like, what? And I'll be like, you know what? I should try entering this. <laughs> But there's people that are like legit good. I'm like, I, I'm like not even doing this. Yeah. And then the other thing was, I uh, I like to end with uh, three things you're grateful for, but they're kind of out of the box or ridiculous because I feel like we're always grateful for life, friends, family, and all that stuff. But do you have any like uh, good ones for me? And I'm going to judge you hard on these. Okay. Uh, you know, it's really hard to think of things that you're grateful for that aren't like typical things. Yeah. Um, the, one of the first things that came to my mind is how grateful I am for my ex-husband, which is something that not a lot of people would say. So I'm going to use that. That's a great one. That's a great one. I'll give you a good one. Fantastic. Um, oh, grateful for weird things. I don't know. I'm grateful. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I'm grateful that I have just like learned so much. And this is something that not a lot of people understand, but like I have a relationship with somebody who has another relationship so like i'm really grateful for that dynamic because it really allows like all the things i need but like being a little bit off brand mm -hmm. you know for like having that kind of situation i don't know i'm grateful for everything i practice gratitude every day like i'll give you a third one you're great you're grateful for the wedding singer because i think everyone yeah. should be grateful that for that movie so that's your third one um I am. What are yours this is probably hard for you because you have to do this every time um actually i i i sometimes normally don't because i try to get, I get the other people but i like you putting me on oh. on the spot so i kind of i kind of have the same uh the same ones almost uh i'm i'm grateful for uh zebra cakes you guys have zebra cakes up there no little debbie they're like a, I, I was gonna say i imagine it's some kind of twinkie yes it's in the twinkie family but it's like a hexagon was that six sides and it's a okay. it's a snack yeah. cake and I, I actually have it tattooed on my leg. That's how much I, I love uh, zebra cakes. Looks like a zebra, I imagine. The colors? The, yes, it's white and uh, with black lines on it. So yes, it looks like a zebra. They are phenomenal. I love them. Um, then the second thing I'm grateful for is a good back scratcher. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. you have that crazy itch, like sometimes I get itches and I can't reach it. Um, yeah. So a back scratcher yeah, is great. Has one of those. Super is it, long one. Is it metal or wood? It's wood and it's shaped Ugh. like hand. All right, the wood ones oh, are kind of gross. Like yeah, because like the the dead skin kind of stays on it. At least with like the what is it like uh, the metal ones? It's like it's not it doesn't stay on there. So maybe you should get him uh, a new birthday or Christmas present yeah. for a nice metal back scratcher. And then the third one, I would say uh, all my animals. I have four animals that uh, that always make me happy when when skies are gray. Um, I have two cats and two dogs. I have a, a German shepherd by the name of Charles. I have a pit bull terrier by the name of Fanny. She's blind. She has one missing eye and uh, one zombie eye. 
And then I have a, then I have a um, Persian cat named Leo. And then I have a Maine Coon Calico mix by the name of Lucille that we named after Little oh, Richard's okay. song, Lucille. But see, that's not a weird thing to be grateful for. Your okay. animal family. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll hit you with another one then. Okay. Put me on the spot. I like how you called me out. I would say I am thankful for another food group, Buffalo chicken. Mm. Buffalo chicken is my comfort food. I always have a okay. buffalo chicken sub and I also have a buffalo chicken tattoo. So these things mean a lot to me, obviously, because I have them tattooed, but it's not oh, what you think. <laughs> it's not what you think of a buffalo chicken tattoo. So it's the head of a buffalo and the body of a chicken. Okay. I was imagining a drumstick. Yeah. So mine's <laughs> a little bit off brand, right? <laughs> yeah. I like that. A little bit different. Just think a, a little, little bit different. different. That's how ridiculous I am. Uh, but Rochelle, I thank you so much for taking the time with me to speak with me. I hopefully I did a good job and didn't make myself look silly with asking these questions. Uh, you did great. Thank you so much. I just need self like uh, I need you to yeah. make me feel better. You so kept please. it flowing. You didn't. Right? Get back. It was very very well organized. Right. I, my but what you don't see is my whole back is sweating right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really appreciate it. Again, I'm so happy for what you do. Um, you're doing such a great job. Again, no one asked you to do any of this and it just shows how big of a heart you have. And you're such a genuine person, such a great person. And I always end my episodes with this. So it's not weird to say, I'm just telling you, it's, a, it's always the last thing I say to people just in case something happens, but I love you. I tell everyone I love them. It's not like my wife, how I love her the most, but I love everybody that does great. And they're all connected. Love you as well. Appreciate thank it. I thank you so much. And um, let's plug everything that you have, where to, where to find you. Tell everyone uh, where they can um, locate you. Okay. So where to find me? I am on Facebook. Mostly I'm most active on Instagram, which mm-hmm. is at rochellerose.on, R-A-S-H-E-L-L-R-O-S-E.O-N. Um, and through there is my bio with all of the links to everything you would need. Yep. And I will do the same. It should be in the uh, bio of this episode. So you can click it easily. I like how you did a little bit of sign language to uh, do your, do your name on Instagram. I actually no sign language. How funny. That so me, not sign language. I, me, me and my wife actually did sign language, uh, a beginner's course and some woman, do you know what this means? This? Well, yeah. it depends. Was it ASL? Is this play? It's ASL. So she said, like, I forget. She said, like, this is like mood. And then she did this and she was like, this means bipolar. Me and my wife were like, because I'm bipolar. And like the fact that she brought that up out of nowhere, like blew my mind. Um, uh, no, I, I don't know that. That would be like a very specific sign to learn bipolar. So you wouldn't that, just like learn that generally. Right. But it was it was a good class. I, I can try. I, I know the alphabet a little bit, but my favorite's K and P. KMP is my favorite because it just it just goes up and down. It's like a, almost like a gang sign, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> the deaf community is really upset with me right now. Um, but again, thank you so much. I had so much fun with you, and I can't thank you enough. And we'll definitely link up again. Uh, Rochelle Roson, have a wonderful day, weekend, week, month, year. Bye. podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.